Hey, welcome to a new episode of Last Call Baseball, number 129. I'm your host, Orion. I don't know where my attention has gone because I looked at the standings yesterday and I see the San Diego Padres in fourth place in the National League West, 20 games behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. One number sticks out to me. The Dodgers have a positive run differential. They don't just have a positive run differential. They have a plus 71 run differential. They've scored 70 more, 71 more runs than they've given up. And in the National League, there's only three teams that have a better run differential than the Padres. The Chicago Cubs at plus 95. The Dodgers at 168. And the Atlanta Braves at plus 235, which is fantastic. And those three teams, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Braves are almost assured to be playing in the in the playoffs in October. Why aren't the Padres going to be playing in October? I would love to go on to Baseball Reference or some other website to see historically what are the best run differentials in the history of Major League Baseball for a team that didn't make the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres are in there in that top 20, top 30 teams that have a big positive run differential but didn't make the playoffs. Then you have their third baseman, Manny Machado, who's probably going to be sitting for the rest of the season with his elbow, t- elbow, tennis elbow. The second straight year he's had this issue, he may have surgery. Their pitcher, Yu Darvish, he hasn't pitched in, I forget how many weeks. He has elbow inflammation. They have all these elbow issues in San Diego. And I read a couple of articles that suggests that A.J. Preller, the general manager of the Padres, potentially is on the hot seat, could potentially be fired? I don't think so. I want the Padres to be better. A.J. Preller has been the general manager in some form, the assistant general manager, the executive vice president of baseball operations, all these crazy titles since 2014. Since Preller has been general manager, this is nothing new to you. The Padres have been to the playoffs twice in 2020 and 2022. Why does someone like this continuously receives contract extension, contract extension. This is now year nine, and you go to the playoffs twice. Your owner's shelling out Boku bucks on players. And here we are in the basically the middle of September, 20 games behind the Los Angeles Dodgers. This year, the signings have been really poor. Uninspired, I think is the right word I'm looking for. They went out and signed Matt Carpenter, who had a who had a pretty good couple of seasons, couple of seasons, couple of months with the New York Yankees last year, and they thought, well, maybe he can tap into that this year. Not so much. Nelson Cruz, who's like 54 years old, can we please stop signing Nelson Cruz? I love him. He's a fantastic hitter, but for a playoff team, I don't think so. They, they and then I knew, I kind of knew something was up in a very bad way with the Dodgers, with the Dodgers, excuse me, with the San Diego Padres when they signed Rich Hill. Rich Hill also is in his early 40s. I love Rich Hill. He was awesome with the Tampa Bay Rays, but he is very much in the back end of his career. This is probably not the type of pitcher you want on a playoff caliber team. The signing, again, the signings this year have been very uninspired. And actually, back in episode 123, when I had Kyle Glazer from Baseball America, he had a really good, concise answer as, and he broke down the bad signings that the Padres gave out, big contracts to players who don't fit into the way the Padres should be playing baseball. Go check that episode out. 
if you want. In the meantime, we have a new special guest this week, and you're going to enjoy it as much as I did. This week, we are joined by our special guest, Reverend Thomas Daly, the Cardinal Foley Chair at the Seminary of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Reverend Daly, welcome to Last Call Baseball. Thanks. Thanks for having me on your podcast. What position does Jesus play? <laughs> I think he's the uh, general manager. Um, I'm not sure he plays the on-field positions, but certainly he has a hand in all of it. Reverend, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I think Jesus plays shortstop. He is flashy. He's controversial. He loves butting heads. He's uh, one of my one of my favorite quotes of him that is often overlooked when he says, I'm paraphrasing, you know this better than I do. I am not a prince of peace. I come with a sword. And right. he clashes with his elders. He lets everyone know that, hey, I'm great, by the way. I think of him as a young, super duper like Latin baseball player. Because let's be honest, this stuff, we don't have to do what, delve into social issues here, but Jesus Christ did not have blonde hair and blue eyes running around uh, modern day Israel. I, that's, who I, that's who I see Jesus as. And when I was formulating this question with you, I was like, who else from, from the Bible would be playing baseball? <laughs> How about this, sir? John the Baptist as the catcher. He's a wild man. He's bearded. He knows he is. He knows there's something greater than himself. Because, you know, catchers, a lot of managers used to be catchers. Sure. So anybody else oh. in the Bible you, th you think that would translate into a certain position in baseball? Well, let me uh, let me disagree with you slightly or just play along with you, I should say. Uh, I'm going to put Jesus as catcher, the sort of uh, one directing all the things that are going on in the field, the one calling the pitches, uh, the one who is at home uh, at that position on the field. I'm going to put John the Baptist out in center field. Uh, he's kind of out there. He's um, he's the uh, wild man running around, uh, calling off other people. Um, geez, who else? It's uh, a good question. Here's my last one, then. then okay. Instead of center field, do you know who I'm putting at center field? Because that's I think center field and shortstop are probably the super duper, super, the super duper star positions in center field. Okay. Elijah, Be he's like the Ricky okay. Henderson. He is so good. He doesn't even have to die. Jesus had to die. Everybody else had to die. But Elijah was like, I am so beloved. I am so amazing. I am the center fielder. I have gold <laughs> chains everywhere. I'm hitting 40 home runs. I'm stealing 40 bags. I may be even talking about Ronald Acuna Jr., but he doesn't play center field. Elijah is the center field on God's nine in the great baseball diamond in the sky. Okay. I could go with that. Um, I, 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 I think the other positions you could probably fill in with 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 lots of people. But, oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Right, yeah. right up the middle. That that doesn't sound sound bad. I still put I still put Jesus as a catcher though. That's good. <laughs> we 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 have uh, different fantasy teams, but I, I, it's a fun conversation to have. Reverend, what called you to the Lord? Uh, the Lord did. Um, I was. It's actually funny. I uh, when I was in high school, I had a uh, I had a full baseball scholarship to go and play in college uh, until a priest in high school asked me about becoming a priest. And um, I, after thinking about it and praying about it, I had to call the president of that college who had offered me a full ride and a job at the college. And uh, I told him that I was turning it down. He was shocked. He said, why? I said, because I got drafted by a higher power. Uh, and he said to me, he said, that's the only reason I'll let you go. Um, 
So it was uh, that sense that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I never lost my love for baseball. I've written a lot about it, spoken about it, spoke at the Hall of Fame about it. Um, I think there's a lot of connections between religion and baseball that uh, that can be explored. I want the listeners to know that, yes, you gave up, you gave up the college scholarship and to play baseball at the collegiate level, but you did go to gain your education at that country that has that is crazy about baseball, Italy. <laughs> I did. I, st- I spent six years doing my all my graduate studies in Italy. Uh, I recall I was there in the late 80s, early 90s, and I recall baseball starting there. And they really, you know, did not know what they were doing in terms of the players, but they really looked good. The fashion industry uh, came up with some really nice uniforms um, and they've, they've, they've gotten better, but it's just, you know, they, they play fabulously that game with your feet. Um, but uh, baseball, it just doesn't, doesn't fit with, with their culture. Do you manage to, did you manage to catch any of their games for like the world baseball classic uh, qualifiers or anything? Like, I'm, I'm guessing it, team, Italy, team Italia is like the, your, maybe like your second team or team of your heart. Yeah, that's, that's certainly not the team of my heart. Um, I'm going to have to go with the Phillies for that one, but uh, team Italia uh, it's in my heart as a soccer team, but, uh, or a football team, I should call it. Um, but not for baseball though. And so I'm guessing I saw I had read an interview that you were giving a list of books that you had been reading and one of them was Italian. So I'm guessing your Italian is still very strong. It's still functional. Yeah, it still works, especially reading it. Mm-hmm. Reverend, I have a suspicion here. I don't know where you're from, but I know you live in the Philadelphia area. You went to school in Italy. You speak Italian. I'm thinking that maybe you're Kobe Bryant. <laughs> no, <laughs> he was much more talented um, <laughs> and much more charisma. Uh, no, I am from from the, from the Philadelphia area. Uh, I taught in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania for a long time. Uh, now back here in Philadelphia. Um, these are my roots. These are uh, that's why I've grown up a Phillies fan. Um, and, you know, baseball's always been part of that. So you said that the that the good Lord drafted you on to his all star team because you, you weren't called to it. The, the Lord called you. W- then what called you to become a Philadelphia Phillies fan? Well, I think just growing up here, uh, they were the first professional games that I saw. Um, you know, even later when I was teaching in Allentown, the Phillies AAA team is in the Lehigh Valley. Uh, great, great ballpark experience. Um, just growing up around here, uh, my I had relatives in Baltimore, so I was also an Orioles fan uh, back in the day. Um, but Phillies are the hometown team, so so I'm happy to follow them. Lehigh has the minor league baseball team there, the pit, the Pig the iron, they iron the iron pigs. The iron pigs. It's a great story. Their marketing team, their marketing group. Uh, I don't know who they are, but they're just brilliant. Um, but pig iron, which I didn't even know, even living there for thirty some years, uh, is the name of the iron that is the sort of first step in building steel. Bethlehem Steel, um, you know, the major steel corporation. Uh, in the country back in, back in its heyday, uh, was headquartered in the Lehigh Valley. And so they took that uh, iron pig name, but everything they do, I mean, everything they do is somehow pork related. Um, their mascots, their their food selections, their their uniforms, their logos, everything has a connection somehow to the pigs. 
Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, it's great fun. It's, it's an experience uh, of baseball. Yeah, for sure. But it's the whole experience of baseball. It's perfect for families, um, school kids. Uh, it's, it's, in a sense, it's the way community baseball, I think, was meant to be. Yeah, over the past few years, I've really enjoyed going to minor league games mm-hmm. because they're, they're just they're easier to go to because there's they're in so many more towns. So major league baseball is just a hand, not I don't say handful, but you know, 30, sure. 30 towns, 30 cities. But minor league, you can get it, you can see that everywhere. And it's also really cool to see maybe when you go to a minor league baseball game, you're the probabilities you're probably watching one of those guys might make a right. roster in two, three, five years. And it's always cool. Sure. It's like, oh, that's right. I saw right. that person over there. And in the Lehigh Valley, you know, we saw the the Phillies on their rehab stints or uh, um, next to last step before they joined the Phillies. Uh, so it, it it's exciting in that respect. But what fascinated me about the minor league games were the families who were at the games. Um, and, and, you know, the kids had fun, but they also learned baseball. Uh, the players had fun, but they also learned baseball. Uh, it was It was both kind of an emphasis on the sport, but I think more importantly, an emphasis on the whole experience. Baseball can certainly be fun. And it's a lot. And being a Philadelphia Phillies fan last year was also a lot of fun because the Phillies (laughs) went all the way to the World Series. And and I genuinely thought that they just seemed like a team of destiny, especially when they upset the Braves and then they powered past the Padres and all that. Do Do the Phillies have any hope for this postseason? I think so. Uh, right now, they're they're playing really well. They're on a they're on a tear offensively. Um, but I've also, I've seen a lot of sort of social media posts that you know the record at this point this year is the same. Actually, a game better than it was at this point last year. Um, and all of those sort of statistical comparisons to last year. But most people say, and I would agree, that the talent on the team is better this year. So if the, if they can make a run. Um, I, I think they're certainly capable of it. Uh, it certainly has has the whole city and, and towns all around here very excited about it. They have as good a chance as anyone. Yeah, the Bra- I, you know they have to beat the Braves. <laughs> yeah, whoever they end up, because I was actually surprised because again the Phillies. I think the Phillies un- have underperformed, even though we have just mm-hmm. about four weeks left in the season and. Everyone is so far behind in the National League East. Everyone is so far behind the Braves that it kind of surprised me how far ahead the Philadelphia Phillies are in the standings for the wild card. I mean, they are four or five games ahead, which bodes very well for this. Exactly. Exactly. They're they're playing well at the right time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I like how they're they're the I like how the Philadelphia Phillies owners have gone out and spend money to put a good product on the field for the people mm-hmm. of Philadelphia for mm-hmm. baseball in general. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of these owners who, who just penny pinch for the sake of penny pinching, but that's a, uh, that's another right. topic. Like, like the angels putting all, putting half a dozen players on waivers. This yeah. Year. Or, or the, uh, that, that very, I'm not going to say a curse word, sir. Oakland athletics, uh, doing well, we, the thing, know, doing athletics. We're just things. not, we're not even going to mention that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the, a team that came from Philadelphia, by the way, long ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Philly, <laughs> Philadelphia, Kansas city, sure. and then finally Oakland, and then right. probably Las, Las Vegas, Vegas in a few yeah. years. You write or you teach on the, going back to the, to, to the Lord is on the Cilician spirituality, which is, it almost seems like stoic in the sense of gentleness, patience, humility, liberty of spirit, 
Can you, not you, but can one merge that spirit of Cilician spirituality with the demands of a, of a highly competitive situation like athletics at the highest level? I certainly think so in, in sort of the, the broad vision of Cilician spirituality. The emphasis is on humility. If there's ever a game that makes you humble, um, besides golf, uh, it would be baseball, uh, where, uh, which has been described as uh, a game of imperfection, right? You, you, you hit, you're, you're a great hitter if you succeed 30% of the time. Uh, error is a statistic in baseball. Um, you know, pitchers have control one day, don't have it the next day. It's a very humbling game. And so in that, in that broad perspective, I think, sure, the spirit, the, uh, a spirituality of imperfection is how I would characterize the spirituality of baseball. Uh, on an everyday uh, player level, um, you know, solution spirituality is, is predicated um, on the concept of living out your particular state in life in a holy way. So it's not, you're not called to specifically be a priest or a monk or a nun or something like that, but everyone has, has, has his vocation. So baseball players, that's, that's their life. That's their job. Um, can they bring this spiritual sense to that job? Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you see pray, players looking up to the heavens and I don't know, making the sign of the cross here and there, um, but, but just approaching the game with that sense of humility while striving to be a great player, that that's the kind of balanced pursuit of perfection uh, in the game and in life that Salesian spirituality champions. What are your thoughts on the demonstrativeness of religion, whether you're practicing Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, what have you, being demonstrative? In this case, we're talking about baseball. Or it seems to me like Salesian spirituality is much more internal, not you're just running around saying, look how humble I am, everybody. Look right. how gentle, look how gentle I, I treat this stray cat. What are your thoughts on the demonstrativeness well, of religion in the, in, in American sports? Yeah. Uh, for some people, I guess that's their way of expressing th their faith, which I don't necessarily have a problem with. Um, it, as you say, though, it's, it's not, the focus of Salesian spirituality, which is on humility and telling people you're humble, is not being humble. Um, but you're right; it's it's more of an internal thing. It's a it's a spirit thing, not an outward action, demonstrative kind of thing. Um, so I don't I don't think that outward show is necessary. Certainly not opposed to it. Um, I, I I wouldn't make a big deal of it. Um, that that's just that's just not the humble way of of solution spirituality. I can't specifically. I guess I could talk to the Lord on a one to one level, but when you have the the intermediary here, the voice can be amplified. I just want to share something with you. Sometimes people change favorite sports teams. In this case, it's baseball. And I love this. I love doing this podcast because I just see I use baseball as a prism to see the whole world. Mm -hmm. And when people change sports teams, it almost seems sacrilege because you can't just be 
you can't just not be religious and then no i'm sorry if you want to become a christian you have to go through certain processes you have to get baptized you have to do this you can't just run down to the shop or jump on amazon and say i'm going to order some rosary beads i'm a catholic now mm -hmm. a sports fan can't be like i'm an arizona diamondbacks fan but you know what i'm going to jump onto hatsbaseball.com and become a chicago cubs fan do you think theoretically there should be some kind of conversion right <laughs> if you decide to change teams it's like oh when i was a kid i supported this team but i was like ah whatever i like this other team uh yeah it's it's definitely a conversion um part of me thinks the uh the original adherence uh to say you know the cubs uh would would look a bit askew at somebody suddenly becoming a Cubs fan, um, because there is a sense of, of lifelong uh, loyalty and uh, you know suffering through the agonies uh, that you know certainly Phillies fans have suffered through, um, and not jumping on the bandwagon so to speak. But clearly, that's that's the difference. That that that's where the 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 equating of, of baseball or any sport and religion. Uh, kind of falls by the wayside. It's not, it's not, uh, not quite that serious. Although, uh, who was it? Bill Clem, the umpire, said, you know, baseball is not just a game; it's a religion. Um, th there, there is a devotedness to it. Changing uniforms, changing uh, allegiances, uh, changing favorite teams. If one were serious about that, it would take some, some, some serious thought and serious action and and sacrifice and and, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it, it happens. Um, but, but I think, and again, I think part of the appeal to uh, baseball is that religious sense of devotion that, that it inspires in fans and other sports, other sports do that as well. Um, but that, that loyalty to your team, uh, you know, think of the Red Sox fans who, who went how, how long without uh, winning a world series. There, there's a certain, and there's a certain, camaraderie among fans who do that uh which is which is part of the, the religious sensibility Shared experience yeah, yeah. yeah reverend you seem to me like a serious man i don't think that you're going to fall to that trap i think you're a phillies fan <laughs> come heck or high water come yeah indeed <laughs> but for a serious man i'm going to ask you a less serious fun question we always like to fantasize what we would do if we were in a position of certain power if we were a certain politician if we were a, a superstar center fielder sure we always think that oh if only the team would do xyz they would do better if we were to take you away from the archdiocese for a good reason because the good lord has had you for a long time but the people of the Phil of philadelphia and the phillies fan need you if you were to become the general manager of the phillies what are a couple moves that you would do to improve the Philadelphia Phillies? Well, uh, I, I I didn't get a chance to say this to the actual general manager of the Philadelphia Phillies, uh, but you know, every once in a while we we, we celebrate mass at the ballpark um, before the games, uh, players, coaches, uh, the employees at, at the at the ballpark. Uh, I don't recall running into the GM there. Um, not so much uh, focusing on the team itself. But my greatest uh, concern for baseball and its future uh, is the fan base in the sense that, um, you know, if, if, if young kids don't learn the game and, and don't appreciate the game, um, 
there isn't going to be a fan base except on television and except during the playoffs. I mean, you see this with the Little League World Series every year. We had a local team uh, that, that, that made it. There's, there's, a, there's a certain um, experience of the game and the atmosphere uh, that I think young kids are missing out on for whatever reason, and there are lots of them. So my one sing, single greatest piece of advice to the general manager would be to let kids into the game for free. You know, say if they're with a parent, you know, kids under 12, maybe. Uh, and I don't know, you know, you can exclude the playoff games or whatever. I, I, I get the, the economics of it. But it's really difficult um, for kids to learn and appreciate the game if they don't see it. Uh, and with games being on late at night on television, uh, especially playoffs in the World Series, which start at ridiculous times, times that the players aren't you know, haven't played all year. Um, and then they go late into the night because of television commercials. Um, you can't, you can't have a 12 year old up at midnight on a school night, watch, watching a baseball game. Um, and, and, and so they, not only do they not learn the game, uh, uh, quick aside, we had a, we had a player in college where I taught, he had never been to a professional baseball game which once I learned then and I understood why he was throwing to the wrong base and why he wasn't you know, doing this and that one. He, he didn't know. He was a great athlete, but he didn't know the w game. Was this in Italy? No, it was, it was uh, here in the U.S. Was, was he Italian-American? Of course. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but I think anything we can do um, to get kids to experience the game just by attending, certainly by playing it, um, I think that in the long run will uh, sustain the fan base for baseball. Cause right now, like many other sports, it's driven by television contracts. Um, and it's not driven by in-person participation. I mean, even the, uh, the, the various ballparks, you know, the, the, the chief design is for the corporate boxes, not for the 12 year old kids to watch the game. So I think letting kids into the, into games for free, scheduling games at times when kids can attend it those sort of you know family nights and anything that's going to promote young kids learning to love the game and and maybe that's just selfish i mean that's that's how i grew up learning to love the game um and you know it's it's still there it's still in you um even for a phillies fan i really like that and preparing the future or to continue to love this game, baseball as a whole does not do that good of a job. I know they do the, uh, on the Major League Baseball corporate level, they do the RBI initiative. Right, right. And I know specifically, I would even take it further, Reverend, not just to allow kids to come into, into games for free, but to invest and buy equipment for teams because sure. baseball is not a cheap sport. Sure. Uh, the same with ice hockey, the same with football. In the U.S., the only thing that we can compare with calcio, soccer in Italy, is basketball. You need right. a ball and a hoop. That's it. Right. And right. it's hard right. to compete with that. And I know the Atlanta Braves have. I I'm, I know I'm, I'm messing up the name, but it has. To, it's like the Hank Aaron Initiative, where they actually provide equipment to young children in, like you know, young African Americans to right. because that right. is the number one population 
where baseball is falling as as uh, as a form of entertainment, as a for uh, as right. a form of diversion and, and just athletic. So I completely right. and, agree. And I, and I know the Phillies have done things uh, about um, setting up fields in the city, you know, in the inner in the, I don't want to say the inner city, but within the city of Philadelphia, uh, trying to establish places where kids can play and all that goes along with that. So so yeah, all those sort of initiatives. But I think just getting getting kids into the game because you look at the price uh, of taking a family to a baseball game nowadays they might be able to go once a year which is just inconscionable <laughs> um you know and again that's that's the appeal of the minor leagues uh it, it, it's certainly affordable uh, major league baseball is not and and i think uh in the long run that's not going to help the game yeah minor league you got fireworks you got five dollars <laughs> and you got fun. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Right. But again, you want these kids to see things that there that make them go, wow, wow, how did they yep. do that? Yep. And I'm not saying that they those minor league players are a hundred times better than I do, than sure. I am. But sure. the major league ba- baseball players are probably a thousand times better than some of the minor league players as well. Right. But if the kids are are falling asleep at midnight, they're gonna miss the wow. And and Reverend, that, the kids. That, I'm falling asleep at midnight. It's it's absolutely <laughs> insane that a decisive, let's say, game five of the National League Championship Series played on a Wednesday has to go until midnight. Like, come right. on. Like, it doesn't really need to do that. Exactly. Speaking of fun, speaking of watching baseball, we always do it maybe having a drink, eating something. If someone were to go to Philadelphia, number one, to hear the good word of the Lord coming from Reverend Daly, and then number two, going to a Philadelphia <laughs> Phillies game. Where would you direct people to go to have, where, where would you, where do you like to go in a lo- local place for food, drink, coffee, tea, whatever? Well, um, locally here, I mean, the, 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 probably the most popular um, stop for food on the way to the game is of course, Wawa, uh, which is, which is, uh, you know, you, you get your hoagie, we call them hoagies in Philadelphia um, and, and, and take your food to the ballpark. Great place around here. Uh, one of my favorite, the pub of Penn Valley. It's a local place. Um, lots of TVs on. Super friendly people. Great chefs. Um, but you know, it, it, it's a it's a local watering hole that uh, that that yes, I frequent and yes, I recommend. Um, they'd be they you know the the general one is Wawa. The local one is the pub of Penn Valley. I know the Wawa. They had they they. I think about five or eight years ago, they started spreading outside of the Mid-Atlantic. Oh, I'm sorry. They started spreading out to other parts of the Mid-Atlantic area, Wawa. Because right. at first where, I was like, what in the world is this? Right. Where where Philadelphians have moved to. So there are Wawa, there's Wawa in Florida. Uh, yes. I think there's some in Ohio. Um, but but it's it's a Philadelphia. It, it's born from Philadelphia for sure. And uh, very popular here. And um very you know convenient it's a convenience store it's there are there's a i know there's a specific wawa in clearwater florida just outside of tampa and in clearwater is this wow. high a minor league team right. of the philadelphia and, phillies and spring training sure. yeah the clearwater threshers right. have you been down to to see the, the the phillies or any any of the 
the spring training or minor league down in the Tampa Bay area. That's a great place I, to go. I have not. I have not. Not yet. That's on my list to get down to Clearwater. I just have to wait for uh, the the Easter break here at the at the seminary to coincide with uh, spring training. And uh, I will well, certainly make a visit there. Reverend, I think you got an in with the Lord. You can maybe say, <laughs> look, we've been doing this for thousands of years. Maybe one year we can just switch out the calendar. Because it's not just obviously you're a Phillies fan. Because in the Tampa Bay area, you have the Dunedin Blue Jays, the Toronto Blue Jays, which is about a 15-minute drive from the Clearwater Threshers Stadium. And then just over the bridge, you have the Tampa Bay, the Tampa Tarpons, which is also the high A of the New York Yankees. And then about an hour south drive from Clearwater is the Bradenton Marauders, the high A of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And if you're feeling really adventurous, you can... About an hour and a half east of Tampa, the drive is the is the I just I just lost the name the Detroit Tigers team, Lake Lakeland Lakeland right. Lakeland something Blood I forget Claws yeah mm-hmm. something <clears throat> right highly recommend to go because it's, I will get it's there. because not only Reverend you you managed to leave the beautiful city of Philadelphia but it's February let's be honest to go down to the nice warm weather in Florida. I, by the way, right. I do not work for the tourism board for Clearwater. <laughs> they should be paying me for this. <laughs> Anyways, I'm a big fan of the area, especially in the wintertime. You get to see so much baseball, springtime, and obviously after that, then a I whole totally lot agree. of... I totally agree. The, uh, a whole lot the, of minor the, league players. The, 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 year, the, the year changes when um, baseball season you know comes back. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus comes back. Baseball comes back. It's all fun times. Reverend Daly, I have had a fun time talking with you. I want to say grazie mille. Thousand thank yous. Uh, I would have loved to have done this in Italian because (laughs) I'm always trying to improve it. Ma eh, capisco più chi parlo. No? Mm -hmm. Non so. Anyways, (laughs) eh, Reverend Daly, again, thank you so much for joining me. I've enjoyed this. Let us know where we... um, Thank you. Let us know where we can read some of your work listen to your homilies on the good lord and the and your G, and your fantasy baseball of the uh, biblical players <laughs> of I have to work on that yeah. to work on my team exactly work on my draft picks um yeah my, my easiest thing is to go to the seminary's website which is simply scs.edu um, you can find lots of stuff there i like playing fantasy bible baseball with reverend daly and i hope you liked it too I keep telling you, I love looking at baseball through the the world through baseball, whatever it is, sports, politics, religion, baking, whatever, but especially drinking. I'm not going to close the show off without letting you know what I was drinking as I was producing the show, thinking about the show and recording the show. I have here in my hand Plymouth Slow Gin. It's on the rocks and Plymouth Slow Gin is from... Devon County, England, which is in the southwest of England. The way this tastes is it's I find it slightly sour, but again, as I've I said, as I said numerous times, I've really come to enjoy sour alcoholic drinks with a touch of sweetness. This gin almost tastes like liqueur, actually. It's not doesn't taste like your typical gin. And as you could probably imagine, you herbalist out there. The Plymouth Slow Gin is from uh, Slow Berries, which uh, the southwest of England is very famous for. Also very famous for s- not sail- oh, yeah, sailing and surfing, if you believe it or not. Most people in Europe go to Portugal to, to surf, but you can actually surf in Plymouth, England. 
before you go surfing or after you go surfing. You can follow us on social media if you want. Give us a rating and review after you go berry picking if you want. But seriously, thanks for listening to Last Call Baseball. Be great and get home safe.